0: Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem will be learning Daf Mem Vav in Bava Kama. Okay, hope everybody had a happy Hanukkah. It's great to be back. May our learning uh, be a refuel for those who need it, Yeshua's for those who need it. Klausel has plenty to be mispiled for. Uh, fourth parak of Kama, Barry, was really unbelievable. A lot of nuggets in there, Baruch Hashem. Uh, I, ho- I hope we were able to enjoy those. Uh, the, we'll say the Hadran Alach With a great uh, Kavana this time around Because we really do want to go back to it And Barry, the next cycle actually Attara, Don't tell Andrew But Atara says she wants to do it during normal hours We'll see, we'll see uh, In the meantime Barry is most inefficient Ephesian here. Uh, don't want to get into the Argument between Dr. Julie and Rabbi Silber About the uh, Whether a Ra which is the end of the fourth paragraph of Avakama, is uh, referring to every dog, or is it just the uh, bad dog? Can you have a dog in your house? That's a whole discussion that Ibarri Libu, uh, it's a great daffyomi master, will will get into, if you want to listen to that. The fact of the matter is the Rambam seems to hold, uh, and he makes a Dio and a mishnah, um, without getting too far into it, that it sounds like you're not allowed to have a bad dog. But having a dog, aside from mm-hmm. some of the other halachic issues, in, in its own right, is not necessarily uh, what the Gemar means. But we are starting the fifth parak in the middle. We're going to try to make a concerted effort, Barry. I, I told myself we're going to try to finish Dapim. It's like a new Kabbalah, okay, for the sake of Qal Yisrael, and also for the sake of the fact that we're doing Dafyomi. We try to do make it try to uh, make it not about the yomi but about the daf also, and so we start shor Chesapara, You ready? Mm-hmm. Fifth parak shor Chesapara. Normally a shore, we've been discussing that until now a shor that gored a um, gored another shore, gored a human being here he's specifically goring a cow. Uh, okay, so we're doing daf mem vav and we're talk, talking about a shore that had had you. Can you think of a way, Barry, to remember how this is the beginning of the parakoshor a parah? Don't say, it, Barry. We're not that. We're not that podcast. Okay. Anyway, shnagachesa parah benimsa ubra bitzida. We already discussed this case. Okay. Uh, this is the locus classicus, as they say. This is the main source. When a shore is noguech a para and you find the fetus next to it, there is a question: the owner of the shore. Okay, this is going to be Barry's bull. Barry is going to have Andrew's cow with the fetus next to it. Now, in this case, says the Mishnah, which is to say, we do not know, did this fetus right fall out of the cow prior to the cow getting gored, or was the fetus falling out a consequence of the goring? What's the difference? Well, if it was a consequence of the goring, then that would mean that Barry, uh, whose bull was a short time, as we will see, a first-time offender, gores this cow and is also responsible for the loss of the fetus. So it it affects about how much Barry's going to have to pay Andrew, right? If the cow had a miscarriage prior to getting gored, right? So then Barry doesn't have to pay for the cost of that fetus because that had nothing to do with the goring, right? So it goes that goes without saying. Now what the Mishnah is implying by saying that what's, the only thing that's not known is when did this fetus fall out of the cow? Everything else is known. In other words, unlike some of the previous cases in the fourth chapter, in this case, we know that Barry's bull did the goring. We have Adem, let's say, right? We have witnesses that Barry's bull go- did the goring. Rather, um, and we know, right, that it, Gord Andrew's bull, so uh, Andrew's cow. So all of that is known. The only thing that's not known is when did this fetus fall out. So says the Mishnah. Lapara, or so right. So i so, sorry. Okay. So what's not known is when this fetus fell out. And then the Mishnah continues and says, What's the halacha? Okay. So the halacha here is not going to be dependent on anything. Uh, and we'll see that this is a reflection of a specific uh, shita, a specific point of view that the Chachamim do not agree with. i giving a little bit away. We've already discussed this. But be that as it may, the Mishnah says that the Allah is Mishalam Chatzinezek Lepara. So because Barry's sure is a Tom, as we will see, he's going to pay Chatzinezek for the cow. What about the fetus? Says the Mishnah, urvia Nezek Levlad Barry has to pay a quarter damages for the fetus, right? For the, whatever the value of this fetus This fetus has a little bit of value. Let's see this last Rashi in the Mishnah. Raviyah Nezek. The Tam of Chatzinezek. So there Rashi's explaining that Barry shore was a Tam and it's for that reason that he's paying Nezek for the para. And continues Rashi. V'hai v'lad mutol b'sofek hu A fascinating idea that there is a suffix with regards to the fetus, right? Because Chatzineszek would be to pay for half the fetus. But that would be true only if we were for sure certain that the fetus, right, was in the cow when it got gored and this miscarriage was a consequence of the goring. If that was the case, then Barry would certainly pay Andrew Chatzineszek half the value of the fetus. However, in this case, since we don't know what the case was, we literally split it in the middle. Barry will pay a half of the chati nezek, which is a quarter of the fetus, to Andrew. So half of the cow, because that we know for certain, that, it ha- that, that Barry's bull gourd, and half of the fetus, right? Half of half of the fetus, because that is something that we don't know. Um, I should give it away. Now, this is the opinion of Sumkus, right? This is only going to make any sense, Right, if you hold that mamon hamutel besafek yechloku, right, the, the this is going to be what the Gemara first picks up on, right. This is only going to be make any sense. This math of half of and half in a case of doubt only makes sense if that's how you actually hold that you split something in half when in a case of doubt. One could argue that in a case of doubt, the sheet of the chachamim would be hamotzi mechaberu. All of Havrayah, right? That if a person wants, if Andrew wants to ex- ex- um, extract money for you for the cow, so that, there's witnesses that he has proof for. So for that, for sure, he's going to get the Chatzinazik from you, Barry. However, to, in, no, there were no witnesses to see when this fetus fell out. And therefore, if Andrew wants any money for the fetus at all, he should bring proof to you. That's what the chachamim hold. So our Mishnah is not reflecting the Sheet of the Chachamim, but rather the Sheet of sumkus, which says, mamon yachloku. This is going to be the fascinating topic of our Gemara. How do you decide, right, in terms of the two values, whether to split the money in a case of doubt or whether to make the burden of proof on Andrew uh, in the case of doubt in order for Andrew to get any money. Now, the truth of the matter is that this is going to be very case-specific, okay? Even for, so so both Sumkus and the Chachamim agree that there's a concept of a Mechavera, all of Haraya, right? The question is, what does it mean, HaMotzi right? Which kind of case would it be? Our case is unique, and we've already discussed this a few weeks ago, because it's a very inherent kind of doubt. So what do I mean? Let's say you have... Uh, a situation where um, somebody lends somebody where Barry lends Andrew money or vice versa and you have two claimants coming into court and they're both very sure of their opinion as is often the case in court right so is that mumunhamutab <laughs> safiq not really right that's not re- a real case of inherent doubt that's a real situation where if the um, Dayanim were astute enough, they would be able to figure out who's right and who's wrong, right? It's a zero sum game. Somebody owes somebody money, right? It is certainly not the case that Barry owes Andrew half the money, right? That no, nobody argued, right? They're arguing about the same sum of money, a hundred dollars, right? But one says you owe it to me, one says I paid you already. So, okay, in the court, we don't know, we have a doubt as. The Dianim, you know what the case is, but this is not a, that's not necessarily a Mamun ham a that's just we have a suffolk in court, every court case is a suffolk because we don't know the if we if we wasn't a suffolk we wouldn't be in court right but that's not Mamun Hambasuff that's a Taina. and then there's the whole question Tainas Bari versus Tainas shema. yeah aren't they both a the, the s so. In the case, right? So that's so. Your so Barry's asking an excellent question that cuts to the core of this issue, which I think needs to be explained uh, in order to understand uh, the context of this mission. Which is the case of the fetus is a suffolk in mitzius. So that's exactly where you can say yachloku. In other words, there's a funny dynamic that we're not going to go so deep into, which is, you know. It might matter whether Andrew, in the case of the fetus, says it betinus bari or betinus shema. It sounds like it doesn't matter, which is Tostas' point, Tostas gets into that, but th- th- there's two things going on. Number one, Tinus bari means when a person comes into court and they say, I, claim, I want to claim a full claim for the, for the loss of this fetus. Now, our case, Andrew can make a full claim for the loss of the fetus, which would earn him chatzinezek, but we know that Andrew doesn't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's claiming a full claim, but like you say, he, how, what is he basing it on? He wasn't out there in the field. How would he possibly know? So he, But he's allowed to submit a claim, I suppose, but he doesn't know. So it might does it matter, Satosis points out, does it matter whether he knows or not? Wasumka still say? so the Khirish is gonna be. Uh, possibly a Motsumi or araya. even if you say Bari, even if you say Shama, we're gonna get into that situation. But, right? In other words, is does Andrew have a right? Let me ask you Is Andrew allowed to go into court and claim and try to extract the money from you, even if he doesn't know? Is he allowed to do that? So you would say, why not? why not? Okay, I actually think the opposite. I think, why yes? I, like, what are, you, what are you submitting a claim for? We know that you don't know. In other words, we know that you weren't in the field. How can you submit a claim for the fetus when you, you did not, right? When, when you have no, we know that you don't know that, that Barry's bull, right, uh, was the cause of the miscarriage of the fetus. What gives you the right to submit a claim for something that's not necessarily rightfully yours, right? It is in that case, the simchus would say, it's an inherent suffix in mitziahs, as you've said. And therefore, yachloku. That's very different than when um, nobody knows who knows the the reality. In other words, when two people go into Besdin and Andrew says, you owe me money, and, and Barry says, I already paid you the money, somebody knows, right? And so there is a reality here that somebody is missing, right? And there, then maybe Sumchus would not say Yachloku because after all, there you actually use the principle of mozi Mechaveru of Haraya. There, because we know that there's a reality that's being lost here that has to be revealed in Bezdin, everyone's gonna say, we're gonna keep everything status quo in terms of whoever's holding on to money right now until we can verify, right, what actually happened. Right. Whereas in the case of the Shor Kasapara, we know that we're never going to verify what actually happened. Right. We know that that's a, what we call an inherent suffic. Right. That that we know there's a Matthias that that neither Barry nor Andrew know. Maybe there'll be other Adim who come later and say, you know, I was out there. I saw it. Okay. If we had any chance of Adim, so then it would be a different story, as you say. Right. So Barry points out, maybe Adim will come later. Let's assume, right, so you do have to isolate the case. There's no question. You have to kind of clean up the case to make sure that it's the theoretical case where we know for sure that we're never going to find out the mitzius. It is only in that case that Sumchus, as we'll see, is going to have this notion of yachloku. It's very important to speak it out in this Mishnah, because the Mishnah clearly saying that the halacha is that you split the money in half in yachloku. it flies in the face of something that even Sumchus would agree of the idea of a Motsimah of Araya, and that's why it has to be explained that that um, that saying that we always keep the status quo and that the burden of proof is on the person who takes the money out is in a case where we need to get to the bottom of a reality uh, that we can get to the bottom of if through the adjudication of the case. But when we know that for sure we're never going to be able to get to the bottom of it, and there's a Metsias that's eluded everybody, so we say, you know what? What do we even care what Barry and Andrew are saying? We don't care if they're giving a Tainus Bari. We don't care if they're bringing a Tainus Shema. Maybe we don't care. Right? That's going to be for Tosmos to discuss. But the point is, we'll see in other Gemaras. But the point is, we just know that this is an inherent Suffolk. And Sumcha says Suffolk, you're Cholik. That's what we're getting out of here. Very good. So now the Mishnah continues. It says, so this is the opposite, right? The cow is goring an ox. It's very unusual. But it's growing an ox, and then you find that the cow's offspring is at its side. So this is a fascinating idea, right? Barry's cow is now uh, is so much more powerful that it's that it's um, bullying uh, the bull, as it were. So we don't know when did the offspring, right, fall uh, fall out of the cow. Why does that matter? Well. If the cow was with child, okay, when it actually bullied Andrew's bull, so then it's going to be included in the tashlumin migufo, right? It's going to be a cow that's a tam. Don't forget, when a tam pays for damages, it pays migufo, right, based off of its own value. So we'll see. Says the Mishnah, chatzin ezek hapara or via ezek min avlad. The Gemara will discuss what this means, but you are going to pay half the Nezik from the value of the cow, and again, a quarter of the Nezik from the vlad, which is to say a quarter of this vlad is eligible as part of the uh, evaluation of how much the cow is worth in order to pay Andrew for the damage that he sustained. You can only use a quarter of that, not the full. Uh, we're going to have to discuss in the Gemara what that case is because it's a very unusual case. The is gonna ask, I don't understand. Don't we just pay a chatsi nezek? What does it matter that there is a vlad in the cow or not? That case is a little bit unique. So let's set it aside. Let's get, dig into the Gemara. This idea of Sumchus is very important, says the Gemara. Our Mishnah reflects, says the Gemara, the sheet of Sumchus, to Amar, Momina Mutta Basaf Chokin, right? It's a good thing we talked it out because now when we read the Gemara, we have context. Sumchus says, a case of inherent doubt, like our Mishnah, when the money, is in doubt, you split it between Barry and Andrew. And that flies in the face of the general idea that we know that the Chachamim says, unbelievable, that we're trying, the Chachamim getting dramatic, Barry. They're saying not only is this a uh, principle that we like to adhere to, this is a overlying general, large general principle, a major principle in all of halacha, of, Momonos, that, all of haraya, that, that when a person wants to extract money from somebody, the burden of proof is on the person who's extracting the money, right? Otherwise, there's a status quo that everybody holds on to their money until somebody proves otherwise. So that's a klal gadol, say the chachamim. So they would apply, just to reiterate what we said before, they would apply even in a case of inherent suffix. And Barry thinks that that makes all the sense in the world. Barry thinks that in the case of an inherent suffix, let Andrew prove that the fetus was a casualty of the goring. If he wants the money, why do we have to give him any money? So in that case, it's not. A, so in that case, the chachamim even there would say hamotzi mechaver olav Okay. Whereas Sumkas would say that's such an inherent suffix that and that that we're going to split it down the middle. Amazing. So now the Gemara just wants to say, why did the Chachalim say get so dramatic and say that it's a, a major general principle? After all, is it a greater principle than like, I don't know, what's going on? What is it, a uh, more specific way to say it is, what would be the case that is so unusual that you would say, normally I wouldn't say that the burden of proof is on the person who tried to extract. But this is such a klal gadol that even to this unusual case, I'm going to apply the case of Amoti or olavaraya. That's what really the gemara is asking. So I'm um, fascinating to hear. Let's see. It's just like says here's here's a here's a case where even here the chachamim would say amotzi or olavaraya as follows. Even in a case where Andrew says, you know what, I want to claim a full claim, which would be chatzin for this fetus. And Barry says, you know, maybe you could get it, maybe you don't get it. I, I honestly don't know. Right? So Bari means that that Andrew's making a certain claim. And and Shema means that, that Barry's uh, conceding that he doesn't know for sure. That's possible that he's that he's possible that it's not. haveiro all of Haraya. Even if in that case, Andrew, despite submitting, right, a full throated claim need the burden of proof is still going to be on him to get the money despite the fact that Barry is conceding that he doesn't know the reality. Okay? So normally when you have Bari Shema, Bari adif, right? Whenever you have somebody who is certain and somebody who's not certain, you go with the person who's certain. But here, even in Bari versus Shema, right? Ironically, Barry is not the Bari. He's the Shema, and he is actually going to what? Uh, not have to pay Andrew according to the Chachamim unless Andrew can prove, right, that he's, that he's right. Now, for, in order to understand this, you have to understand bari v'shemah, right? In other words, bari v'shemah doesn't mean that Andrew, I don't think it means that Andrew is sure and you're not sure necessarily, or Andrew might be sure, but he could be wrong. In other words, the Machlokis is still in a case where we don't know the answer. So this is what we were going, talking about before. Can, can Andrew submit a full claim even if he doesn't know for sure. Yeah, is he allowed to do that? So Barry thinks he's allowed to do that. It sounds like he is allowed to, certainly, to do that, right? But, the, but, 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 according, right, but according to the Chachamim, he could submit all the claim he wants, but he still has to bring proof. The reason I'm saying I know that he doesn't know, well, the reason I'm saying I know that Andrew doesn't have to know for sure in order to submit a claim of Barry is because if he knew for sure, that would mean that he had proof. I assume. And if he had proof, so then there wouldn't be a Shiloh because he'd be able to extract the money from you because he would bring said proof, right? But here you're saying he knows for sure somehow, maybe, or he's at the very least submitting a claim of, without any equivocation. He's submitting a claim of certainty. He's submitting for the whole for the whole amount, but he doesn't have any proof. So if he doesn't have any proof, even if he submits for the whole amount, and even if you tell him, you know what, I don't really know what the case is, the burden of proof is still on Andrew, according to Chachamim. That's the application of Ze Klaal Gadol. That's how we say that's a Klaal Gadol. Okay. Another explanation of what Klaal Gadol means, possibly could mean, says the Gemara. Inami l'chi ha itmar. Maybe they are alluding to another uh, another thing. That's a novel application of Matzil Chaver How so? Hamocher shor l'chaver This is an unusual case. Barry pulled a fast one. He sold his bull. Now, this bull was a nutty bull. It was a bull in a china shop, as they say, that was totally never going to uh, be able to be a domesticated, so to speak, bull for work. It was just absolutely out of control. So he sells it to Andrew. He seemed placid. It was like on meds, right? It Seemed placid in the moment. And when Andrew buys the bull, all of a sudden the bull's out of control. So Rav, Amar's Machlokas, Rav and Shmuel here. Rav is a Rav says, Andrew could say to Barry, Barry, seriously, man, you put the bull on meds, and now I have the responsibility. the bull, it's going to destroy my whole house. It's so, a Give me back my money. Take back your crazy bull. Shmuel Amar, Shmoel says, no. Barry can claim. Okay, I didn't know you were buying it to, for work, or that you wanted to like. You know, I, I, I knew the bull had behavioral issues. I thought you were buying it for its meat. Wow. So, Shmuel, according to, right, according to this Gemara, this is an application of a Motzi That's why it's a Klaal Gadala. Even in that case, right, where normally, as we'll see, you would say that you, when most places, a shore is, you know, purchased for work, right? Even there, it says, Klal Gadol, this idea of a mechaveru is so strong that the burden of proof is on Andrew to show, to demonstrate that he bought the shore for the case of work. And when you have like a behaviorally hopeless, right, shore, that, that Andrew actually still has to prove that he bought the cow for, that he bought the bull for work. Otherwise, he does not have to return, right, he, otherwise, he does not get to return to get his money back. He has to hold on to the bull, right? And he's stuck with it. Wow. Wow. Right. So, and Rashi even starts to point, is that all the Gemara will say it, right? Rashi starts to say, mm-hmm. right. even though you're going to say normally that most, I mean, you, why do you buy a, a shore? Typically not for the meat, typically for the work. That's usually the case. Still, that's why it's a klal gadol. It's amazing chiddush of Shmuel. So what does that mean? That that in this particular case, it's according to Shmuel that we say this, right? According to Rav, right? You didn't have to say it's a klal gadol. Rav would say that's ridiculous. Bring, uh, this is a mekachtos for sure. But according to Shmuel, this is an idea. So says the Gemara. Am I? Wait a minute. If you're saying according to Shmuel that in the case of the crazy bull, so why? Uh, should there be a doubt, let's think about, break down this case for me. Says the, says the Gemara, Well, Andrew, when he typically buys, right, he has a ranch, right, Andrew's ranch. Does he usually buy oxen for work or does he usually buy oxen for meat? Like what kind of business does he have? Right, if it's a meat business, then of course it's, he bought it for meat. If it's a plowing business, then of course he bought it for plowing. So then, like, again, uh, we see a scenario, it's all circumstantial, right? When you go to Besdin, uh, you're not gonna say, out of context, in a vacuum, right, (laughs) that we don't know whether he bought it for me or for plowing. We know what kind of business Andrew has, so it should be implied and obvious. If it was so implied and obvious, Rove wouldn't really play into it, right? You wouldn't say, Hamotzi Mechavarol of Araya, because we have Araya. That is enough of a proof, right? So this is where the tosos gets into it and it gets, uh, it gets dicey, right? Because it gets very specific, right? Where, where you start to see that obviously if it, there's a weak bari, a weak shema, a strong bari, a strong shema, right? Everything's circumstantial when you, when, when you get the Bezdin. That's why you need to be very astute. So certainly even a rove is, uh, is not going to help you necessarily if it's obvious what he bought it for. So if it's obvious, then we don't have any questions, says the Gemara. Says the Gemara, no. There has to be a case where, you're, where it's, despite the fact that there's a good possibility that Andrew bought it for work, because that's what most people do, it's not a certainty that he bought the, the cow for work. It's a possibility that he bought it for uh, meat. And as long as there's some possibility that he bought it for meat, it would be the burden of proof of Andrew to prove that he bought it for work, which is supposedly more valuable as follows. Says the Gemara, Has to be that Andrew has the following ranch where he does both kinds of businesses. Some he buys for, right, work, and some he buys for me. So now the Gemara says, wait a minute. Well, let's just see how much he paid. You know, it usually costs more to buy an ox that's alive than an ox that's dead, right, that you're going to kill. So, how much did Andrew buy it for? What's the price point? Right? You could tell from the price point of how much Andrew paid, whether he bought it for work or for meat. It says the Gemara. Yeah. It was a situation where the price of meat had gone up so much that it was equivalent to buying a live shore. Now you say, wow, that's real, that's real inflation. I mean, wouldn't something alive always be worth more than something dead? Not necessarily, right? Meat could be so incredibly inflated that it's like there's very few bulls around. Like, if, you, if, if, if you're going to get one, then it's, it's costs as much, right? Alive as it, you know, uh, as, as much dead as alive. Right? In a real meat shortage, that could happen. Something much says Amri, as we turn to Mum, Muhammad and Mimbabam Bays. The lakedly shtalume mine. Okay. So now the Gemara says it's an interesting question. Remember, what was the case? Andrew has this crazy bull that he bought from you, Barry. Okay. What would be the case if Andrew has no, that um, if Barry got his money, right? And then he used the money, right? The money's no longer there. Okay. So Rav says it's a Mekachtos and you return it. Shmuel is the one who says the that you can't return it, right, because of Motsimachave or But says the Gemara, if Barry already spent the money that he got from Andrew, So let him take the shore back. The Amri Inche, for people say, Me Mare Rashvasach Pare Ipra. From one who's in your debt, collect even Bran as payment, which is another way to say a bird in the hand. In other words, according to Rav right, what's, end, what's going to end up happening is Barry, Andrew's going to want to get his money back, but he, so Barry already spent the money. In other words, in this particular case, Barry, we're, put, we're, we're painting you a little bit in ill repute, which is not fair because you would never do this, but we're saying Barry, out of desperation, kind of sold uh, bad apple to Andrew, right? An ox that was out of control. And then he got the money, and then he used that money already to pay off whatever he needed to do. So, What's going to happen in a situation like that? Andrew, even if you hold like Rav, that Andrew's entitled, right, that it's a mekakhtas and Andrew's entitled to get his money back because it's assumed that he didn't want a crazy bull. In that case, Andrew's going to have no recourse but to keep Barry's bull as payment. Because after all, it is this equivalent amount of money, more or less, right? That's how much he paid for it. That supposedly was market value. It's unclear whether he'll be able to resell the bull. but. A bird in the hand. That's what this means. Remaner Par Yipra means that, you know what? You're never going to see your money otherwise. So you might as well, Andrew, hold on to Barry's crazy bull because that's that's the closest you're going to get to getting repaid. Okay. Is there a question in here? So, the, so, yeah. So the question is, since, right, he's going to ultimately hold on to the ox in most cases, right, because Barry wouldn't be selling this crazy ox unless he was a little bit desperate. So, it turns out that both Rav and Shmuel don't really have a practical nafka mina. That's the question. The question is that in both cases, Andrew's basically stuck with this ox, okay? It says the Gemara, Right, so it says, it must be that the case is talking about where Barry still has money, right? And then there's a machokas, Rav and Shmuel. According to Rav, even though Barry still has money, right? So, so according to Rav, if Barry still has money, then it's a mekachtos. Andrew, return the bull and get back your money. Uh, Whereas, according to Shmuel, according to Shmuel, if he go to the bezin of Shmuel, he's going to tell Andrew, hold on to this bull anyway, unless you can prove, right? Uh, Because Andrew would rather have the cash, but he's going to have to prove that he bought this bull for purposes, right? Other than work, Okay. As the Gemara clarifies, Rava, ma Rav's going to say that obviously we're going to go according to the Rav, We're going to go according to the rove, and therefore it's a Mekahtos that most people don't want to buy a crazy bull, and therefore Barry has to take his bull back and give the money back to Andrew, Beruba, the insular Dia who, because after all, the rove is that most people buy bulls and they want them to be well-behaved in order for them to work. Whereas the Shmuel Amar, Yachol Amar. Shmuel is going to say, say, it is possible that uh, Barry will tell Andrew that he thought that he sold it to Andrew for purposes of meat. And even though it is true that most people don't buy it for that reason, we don't go based off of that majority. when do we go, Basaruva? Nuclear Lundish idea, isura. It's only matters of Isrvaheter. Such as, like we learned in Pesachim Davtes, and we learned also in Ksuvas, the case of Teisha Chanuyos, Is right? You have nine stores in a town sell kosher meat. One sells non-kosher meat. You find a piece of meat in the street. Can you assume it to be kosher? Yes, we go Basarov. Is there going to be a velt, uh, a mountain of literature on this? Yeah, yeah, there is. Can we go through all of it now in the remaining 12 minutes? I don't think so. We we promised to try to finish the daf, But the fact fact of the matter is, just conceptually, very clean idea, that you go baser rov be iser v'heter. You know, it's like this. It's a fascinating idea, right? That there's something called a halachic reality, okay? So we'll just get a little bit into it, right? When it comes to iser v'heter, Barry, there's nothing... um, inherent in this piece of meat that you find in the street. Okay? So I don't want to get too philosophical, but there's nothing inherent in the piece of meat that you find in the street. And Chazal, the Torah said that it has to have been shechted a certain way. So maybe there, you could say, in Iser that this concept of rove and where we get the concept from, we already learned, but we'll learn again, God willing, right? This idea that we go uh, according to the rove, but the principle, just to speak it out, the principle of rove is that whatever the majority is, determines a halachic reality in this piece of meat. Like we treat it like it's kosher, even though there is a possibility out there that it's not, okay? But again, like the, the kosher or not kosher, there is a reality to whether it was Shechet properly too, but it's sort of like this imposed thing, min, min, min ha-Torah of isr v'heter, that we, and that same Torah allows you to determine the halachic reality based on a rove. okay? When it comes to mamon, so that's like a zero-sum game, right? where if one wins, the other one loses. So maybe there you'd say, there you have to determine it not based on robe. Something like that, okay? But uh, So we said a little bit. It's for that reason that I'm, what I'm doing is articulating what the Hemshech of the Gemara is. That when it comes to money, right, we'll keep everything as a status quo and not gonna start taking money out of someone else and bringing it to someone else based on rov, right? For that, we need actual proof. So when it comes to money, we assume everything just stays as is until proven otherwise. When it comes to isher the Torah told us that we could employ the, the principle of rov in order to determine our halachic reality. It's very interesting, okay? Now, 10 lines down, Tanya Namehachi. now we're going to have a brysa that's going to do what? Corroborate our Mishnah. How yeah, so? The <coughs> said that our Mishnah is reflecting the position of sumchas. But he assumed that based on what the Mishnah said. But now we have a bracelet that says so explicitly, so it's a copy paste. Here we go. This is just copy paste of our Mishnah. You find the fetus in the side. We don't know whether the fetus, right, was expelled before or after the goring or the consequence of the goring or not. As we said, you pay, right? Barry pays for the cow and a quarter for the vlad, which was, left in Suffolk, says the b'raisa, divrei sumchas. See, there we have an explicit source to say that it is indeed the position of sumchas, whereas the conclusion of the b'raisa is, So we see that the b'raisa itself says, Rabbi Huda's right, that the Aramishnah is sumchas, however, the chachamim would disagree and say, amotzi mechaveir, olavaraya, and therefore, in that case, um, right, Andrew would get nothing for the, uh, for the v'lad, right? He wouldn't get any payment for that fetus. okay. So now, what is the source of motzi mechaver ol Aren't we lucky that we get to learn that here? Amar Rabbi Shmuel minayin That how do we know that hamotzi mechaver ol varaya? mi bal yigash alehem. What's con- the context? Moshe Rabbein is going up the mountain, and he was adjudicating cases in the midbar all day long. who's, who's gonna? Who's gonna solve all these cases in Klali Israel while he's up while he's up there? So he says, We got people down on the ground. We got Aaron, right, for one. Uh, and we have Dayanim. So if anybody wants, the Prosak says, I'm gonna come back from this mountain. There they are. Aaron Khur, Imachem, Anybody has a dentira during that time, go to those, go to them. Go to Aaron and Khur, they're gonna uh, replace me for now while I go up to the mountain, and you go to the hem. Interesting choice of words. Yigash Lahem. He could have said, right, that you. I don't know. ye Yavo Lahem, Thank you, Barry. And yet, what does he say? Yigash Like a magash, like a silver platter. Like serve it to them. Serve what? Says Rashi. Says the Gemara rather. Yagi shraya Right. You have to you can actually present it as a proof. The word magash is a tray, silver platter, as it were. What are you presenting? You have to serve uh, proof. That is the source of Matsum Khabe Ravashi. says, What are you talking about? Halamalikra. He's saying this pasuk. Why do you need this pasuk? Svaru. It's an obvious concept. The leke'eva Lake Eva, asyan The person who has pain should go to the doctor which is to say, Andrew's in pain, right? He wants your money, Barry. So he has an issue. So if you have an issue, present symptoms, meaning present proof, right? If you don't have proof, the doctor's not, not you can't just go, you can't just be a, you know, a painkiller junkie and get a, say, oh, uh, I, have, I, I need painkillers, write me a prescription. No, you have to present symptoms and then we'll give you the painkillers, right? Similarly. If Andrew wants your money, let him present a need for the money, so to speak, which is a proof, and then you'll get the money. It's a svara, right? Uh, uh, where does he come off to saying that, you're, that, you, that you should give him money? Why should you give him money? Give, give me proof and I'll give it to you. Oh. So the Gemara. is better than So Barry wants to say, why, so Ravashi has a svara, but isn't a pasuk better? So we've seen this many times. That a svara, if it's a really oisgehalten svara, as we say, right? If it's a real svara, like a good svara, uh, we hold that it's uh, it's part of being Jewish, so to speak. That's the most balbatish way to say it. We hold that in as high regard as a pasuk. If it's a real, real svara, and we see that, right? We we, we see that all over the Gemara, right? Lamali kras right? So that you know, if you want to listen to the great Tafiyomi master Barry Leibowitz, he'll give you many examples of this uh, concept that Barry is saying, which is true, which is we hold svarah in such high regard that if the svarah is good, we don't need a pasuk. Amazing, right? Um, obviously, this is gonna, not true of ritual things. You know what I mean? Svarah, uh, you know, uh, it's not a svarah, right? That, Hashem made that up, right? So, but when it comes to inyane momonos and things like that, or logical things, uh, we, we will go with the svarah. Yeah, it's very good. Okay, Ela Kralacheder. What did I say? Zochar Siyomashavus the I don't even know what I said. Ela Kralacheder. We got to get readjust to this time zone. Ela Kralacheder. Rav Nachman Amar Rav Baravua. So, however, Ravashi now that he has a svar, it doesn't need the pasuk anymore. What does it mean when it says me "Mi Bal Dvarim Yagashalayim"? He learns a different thing from that pasuk. It says "Amar Rav Nachman Amar Baravua he's Iskokin Ela Toveh Tchila." Has to do like this. It's an amazing thing. You're in court, right? And you have a claim, and then you have a counterclaim. So how do you handle it? Do you minimize the plaintiff's claim by saying, well, you know, you you damaged him, but then you started to say damaging things about him, so let's, like, reduce the sentence, uh, uh, reduce the the claim based off of the value of the counterclaim? No. You treat each claim separately. So Andrew brings a claim against Barry. We're gonna deal with that entirely. Okay? And then if Andrew wants to give a counterclaim, when we finish the first dintur, we're gonna go over the second dintur and deal with it separately. That's a fascinating idea. How do we know? Shenama Mi Baldvarmi Gashalahem. That's what we learned from the Apostle. Mi Baldvarmi Gashalahem, Yagish Devarov Alehem. That you present the judges the first grievance grievance, and you actually it's talking about a sequence of how you handle these grievances. First the plaintiff, and then we'll do a new Right, a new case. It's a fascinating idea. Rashi gets a little bit into it. Right. right? So, so again, uh, Andrew says that he lent you money. Where's the money? Right? Barry says, the reason I didn't pay you back, Andrew, is because I had a mashkon. right? Like, you, um, right? Andrew lent you money and took your car as collateral, Barry. And then he smashed up your car. So you're saying that that's why you didn't return the money to Andrew. Because he smashed up your car. So you knew you weren't, so why would you return the money? Like you're never getting your car back. So you were just paying yourself, says the Gemara. No, first pay Andrew back his money. Then we'll have an entire about the smashed up car. Okay, that's, that's how that works. All right, so it says the Gemara, I mean the Nardeans, they said that Pa Shin is talking lit Potrila. Sometimes the court's going to get involved with the defendant first. In other words, there are extenuating circumstances that are so severe that actually we're going to deal with you, Barry. Barry has a real grievance, even though he owes Andrew money, we're still going to hear Barry first. wo be the case, the right? Where while this whole tumult is going on with the court case, right, Barry's properties is starting to lose value. In other words, right, Andrew got Barry in a real pickle. He took the collateral. He smashed up the car. He's destroyed, like, this was a bad person to do business with, as it turns out, right? And now, the whole world, the whole uh, Shari Zayn knows that Barry is in, is in trouble financially because and, he's got a, embroiled in a mess with Andrew. So now they're taking advantage of you. They're, anything that they're going to buy from you, they're going to they're gonna try to buy, like, three, th- 30 cents on the dollar, Right, They're going to take advantage of your desperation. So in a situation like that, again, everything's case-specific. The courts are going to take that seriously, and they're going to say, let's just settle Barry's thing first so that he can go on with his life, right? So this is a fascinating idea. Okay, so now, one line up from the wide. We have a minute left. We have two dots. That's where it gets easy. So that was all concept and principles. Now there's just details, technicalities. So the Murr simply says, with regards to the second part of the Mishnah, it's good because Andrew's coming back tomorrow. I don't want him to have like a shock to his system if we start the, on top of, of Memza'in. The question is, the, <coughs> the, the, the last part of the Mishnah was saying that if it is Barry's cow that did the, the damage, so then we pay from the Chatzin chatzine of the para and the quarter of the fetus, how does that even work? We'll resume with that with the two dots by the wide lines of B'zat tomorrow.